As a medical professional, you're probably consumed by your work. Because of that, you likely miss out on big opportunities to protect and grow the wealth you work so hard for. Luckily, through passive real estate investing, you can place your capital in the hands of trusted syndicators who do all the legwork while you sit back and let your money work for you. Syndicators like Ascent Equity Group. Ascent Equity Group is led by three medical professionals turned full-time real estate investors who have secured a quarter of a billion dollars in assets in just three years. And their latest opportunity, Sunrise and Chandler, is open now. Sunrise and Chandler is an exciting 177-unit value-add multifamily opportunity in the affluent city of Chandler, Arizona. This Class B asset in a Class A location was secured at a significant discount and is already cash flowing out of the gate, with 89% of the units still in need of renovation. Sunrise and Chandler is close to meeting its capital raising goal and will be closing soon. So if you'd like to learn more, visit ascentequitygroup.com forward slash best deal to schedule a call. That's A-S-C-E-N-T equitygroup.com slash best deal. This opportunity is open to accredited investors only. You're going to need someone or a combination of people to have a total net worth of $800,000. There's also a liquidity requirement. And for Freddie Mac, this is going to be a minimum of liquidity equal to nine months of debt service. Best ever listeners, we have launched bestevercauses.com. That's bestevercauses.com. We profile a nonprofit or a cause that is near and dear to our heart, get the word out about their cause, and also donate money towards their cause. If you'd like to, one, learn more about the causes that we're profiling, we do one a month, then go to bestevercauses.com. And if you want to suggest a cause that we profile that is near and dear to your heart, then go to bestevercauses.com. And there's a little form at the bottom of the page where you can submit one and we'll check it out. There needed to be a resource on apartment syndication that not only talked about each aspect of the syndication process, but how to actually do each of the things and go into it in detail. And we thought, hey, why not make it free too? That's why we launched Syndication School and Theo Hicks will go through a particular aspect of apartment syndication on today's episode and get into the details of how to do that particular thing. Enjoy this episode And for more on apartment syndication and how to do things, go to apartmentsyndication.com or to learn more about the Apartment Syndication School, go to syndicationschool.com so you can listen to all the previous episodes. Hi, Best Ever listeners. Welcome back to another episode of the Syndication School series, a free resource focused on the how-tos of apartment syndication. As always, I'm your host, Theo Hicks. As you already know, each week we air two podcast episodes that are typically a part of a larger series that focus on a specific aspect of the apartment syndication investment strategy. And for the majority of these series, we will be offering some sort of document, spreadsheet, essentially a resource for you to download and use for free. All these free documents, as well as all of the syndication school series, can be found at syndicationschool.com. This episode is going to be part one of a new series entitled How to Secure Financing for an Apartment Deal. So in this episode, we're going to focus on more of the educational background of apartment financing, just to kind of give you an idea of 
the different types of debt that are available, the different types of financing that are available. And then we're also going to talk about the loan guarantor as well. And then in part two, tomorrow's episode, we're going to actually go over some of the most common, popular, actual loan programs that apartment syndicators will pursue. And then later on in the series next week, we're going to go over how you can determine what is going to be the ideal loan for you based off of your deal, your background, your business plan, and things like that. But I wanted to set the foundation first and kind of just do an overview of all the different types of debt that you might come across so that you kind of have a basic understanding of what's available to you. So at this point in the process, you should have already completed the majority of the steps. You should have your apartment syndication education down. You should have your team and you should have already talked to a mortgage broker at this point. So if you remember when we discussed creating your team, one of the team members, again, they're not going to be like on your payroll, but one of the people that you're going to need to work with is a mortgage broker or a lender. Now, when we had a conversation about that, that finding a mortgage broker, I mostly focus on how to find them and what types of things that they're going to ask you and how you can respond to those questions in order to win them over. But I didn't necessarily go into the actual types of debt. So usually when you're actually having that initial conversation, a good question to ask would be what types of loan programs they specialize in. Because sometimes, so for example, some mortgage brokers might focus only on agency debt, while others might include agency debt, but they specialize in renovation type loans or rehab type loans. Or maybe you find someone who specializes in HUD loans or a loan from insurance companies. So that's definitely going to be a question that you're going to ask. And by the end of the series, you know why? Because different loan programs are ideal for different business plans. So if your business plan is to buy highly distressed apartments, renovate them, and increase the value that way, then you're going to want a certain type of loan that probably includes some of the renovation costs so that you don't have to raise all that extra capital and that'll eat into your cash and cash return. So if you are working with a mortgage broker and you decide to do the highly distressed business plan, but you didn't ask them the type of loan programs they offered, and when you finally find a deal and you send it to them, they say, oh, well, we only do agency debt, so here's the loan terms I can give you for that, but you're going to have to raise 50% of the project costs because we'll only finance the purchase price and not the actual renovations. Or they might not be able to give you a loan at all because for agency debt, the property needs to meet certain requirements. So there's a lot that goes into it. So let's just jump right into the first part that I wanted to discuss, which is going to be the two different types of debt. That's kind of the word that I'm using, but essentially it's going to be the recourse debt and the non-recourse debt. So according to the IRS, with recourse debt, the borrower is personally liable while all other debt is considered non-recourse. So in other words, if you are securing a recourse loan, then the lender is allowed to collect what is owed for that debt even after they've taken the collateral. So in this case, that would be the apartment building. So that means that, let's say you owe the bank $5 million, but the property is only worth $3 million. So they foreclose on you, they take the property, they get the $3 million, you still owe them $2 million. If it's a recourse loan, then they're able to actually come after you personally for that $2 million. So they technically have the right to garnish your wages or to levy 
accounts in order to collect what is owed to them. On the other hand, there is the non-recourse debt, and that means that the lender cannot pursue anything other than the actual collateral. So in the example, if you owe $5 million and the property is worth $3 million, then they can take that property from you, but they can't come after you for the $2 million. The only exception to that is what are called carve-outs. The common term is bad boy carve-outs. And that means that if one of these carve-outs are triggered, then they are allowed to collect and pursue what is owed to them above and beyond the collateral. And the two most common carve-outs are going to be gross negligence or fraud. So if you are unable to pay them the full amount on a non-recourse loan, and the reasoning is because of gross negligence on your part or fraud on your part or your business partners, then the lender is able to go after that extra, in our example, $2 million. So obviously, after kind of learning about those two, one could easily come to the conclusion that non-recourse debt is going to be preferable to recourse debt. And then on the other hand, the lenders might prefer the other way around. They might prefer the recourse debt because they can always collect what is owed to them. But there are also not necessarily drawbacks, but there's also extra things that come with the non-recourse debt. So for example, you might have a higher interest rate for a non-recourse loan compared to the same recourse loan. And something that this could be more relevant to people that are just starting out, you might not be able to actually qualify for the non-recourse. So take a look at some loans and they will say non-recourse available. So it doesn't mean that the loan is going to automatically be non-recourse. They're going to take a look at you, your background, your team, your financial history, your credit history, and determine if they are willing to give you that non-recourse loan versus the recourse loan. Now that is where the loan guarantor comes in handy. So before we move on to the next section of this episode, which is to talk about the main two categories of the actual financing, I wanted to kind of quickly talk about the loan guarantor. So whenever you're securing a loan for a multifamily deal, someone is going to have to guarantee that loan. So that can be a person, that can be an an LLC, but someone is going to have to actually sign on the loan and guarantee that loan. And this person is going to be referred to as the loan guarantor. That's what I call them, we call them, but sometimes they might be referred to as, as a sponsor or a key principal. So those words are kind of interchangeable. A sponsor kind of covers the entire GP sometimes, but typically you hear loan guarantor or key principal or the person essentially guaranteeing the loan. And again, if you're first starting out, you're likely not going to meet the lender requirements to qualify for their loan, whether it be qualifying the loan in general or qualifying for the non-recourse type of loan. So obviously one option is to either find a loan that you do qualify for or just accept that recourse. But the third option is to find a high net worth individual. If you personally can't qualify and your partner can't qualify, find a high net worth individual to become that loan guarantor, sign the loan. And once they do that, then you will actually qualify for the loan or qualify for that non-recourse loan. So I've already gone over the differences between those two, recourse and non-recourse. But the loan guarantor, the characteristics of this person, They should have some experience in multifamily real estate. Even better, they should have previous experience with the specific type of deal and business plan you're planning and implementing. 
So if you plan on doing the value-add business plan, then ideally the loan guarantor is someone who has executed value-add business plans. And they're also going to have to have some financial requirements. So there's the experience requirements and the financial requirements that you'll need in order to qualify for the loan. So again, ideally, if you don't have either one of these, you want to find one person that can cover both of these, but there's no reason why you can't find one person who's really experienced but can't help you qualify for the loan on the financial end and have someone that doesn't have the experience but does have the bank statement and net worth to support the lender requirements. Now, these financial requirements are typically going to be liquidity, net worth, and credit requirement, but they're going to vary from deal to deal, from lender to lender, but there are some general requirements to keep in mind, again, when you're searching for this loan guarantor. And these are the requirements set forth by Freddie Mac, who's one of the agency lenders. So if you're pursuing a loan from Freddie Mac, then you or someone is going to have to have a minimum net worth that is equal to the mortgage amount. So if you're buying a property for a million dollars and it's an 80% LTV loan, which means that you're getting a loan of $800,000, then you're going to need someone or a combination of people to have a total net worth of $800,000. There's also a liquidity requirement. And for Freddie Mac, this is going to be a minimum of liquidity equal to nine months of debt service. So if your loan payment, your mortgage payment is $10,000 a month, then the person is going to have to have liquidity of $90,000 to equal that nine months of debt service. And they also have a credit score requirement. So for the credit score, it's going to be a FICO score of 650 or better with at least two of the national credit bureaus or an average FICO score of 650 or better with all three of the national credit bureaus. And then lastly, this person is going to have to be a U.S. citizen. So again, as I mentioned, this can be one person, this can be multiple people, but together you're going to have to have people on the GP that are signing on the loan that meet the net worth meet the liquidity, meet that citizenship, meet that credit, and meet that experience requirement. The financial requirements are more specific. The experience ones are a little bit more vague, and you're going to have to essentially explain to the lender or the mortgage broker your experience and other loan guarantor's experience, and they'll tell you, okay, you you qualify, or okay, you don't qualify, you need more experience. But generally, from my understanding, they want someone signing the loan that has previous experience with a similar size deal following a similar business plan. Now, of course, if you're going to ask someone to sign on the loan for you, you're going to have to compensate them in some way. Like most compensation, it's going to vary based off of the loan type, the deal, your relationship with this person. But in general, since the recourse loan, that's the one that they are personally guaranteeing. And if for some reason you owe more than the collateral, then they can come after that person for that additional money. Since that's going to be riskier relative to the non-recourse loan, then you're going to have to compensate the loan guarantor more if you're obtaining a recourse loan compared to a non-recourse loan. Now, the two main ways you're going to compensate this loan guarantor, or the two main ways you can compensate them, is going to be either an annual fee and or a percentage of the general partnership. So for the annual fee, if it's a non-recourse loan, again, these are general numbers, the non-recourse loan, then a fee of 0.25% that's paid out annually could be acceptable. Or it could be more of an upfront fee where they get 1% of the loan at closing. Or they can receive a piece of equity. So they could get 15% of the general partnership for signing on the loan. 
Now, again, if it's non-recourse, it may be 10% of the equity. But if it's recourse, then you might have to give up 30% of the equity. So it's flexible, it's negotiable. It really depends on, again, the variables like who your team is, your relationship with this person, the business plan, the loan type, and everything like that. Now, how you actually find this individual, again, it's really going to vary. If you're going to go the route of having one loan guarantor, then you're likely going to need to find an apartment syndicator who has been doing this for a while that meets that experience requirement, obviously, but also meets the liquidity and net worth requirements. So that's one option. Another option is to kind of have a combination of those two things. So maybe you personally have done some deals before in the past, or you've got a business partner who has done some deals in the past, but together, maybe you're trying to do like a really big deal together and your liquidity and net worths aren't enough. Then you can maybe have one of your passive investors or a family or friend who's passive investing in your deal be the loan guarantor. Essentially, you need to find someone who A, has the experience, B, has liquidity, and C, has that net worth. Again, either a combination of people or one specific individual. So now we've talked about the loan guarantor. The last thing I wanted to talk about briefly were the two different types of actual financing. So what I mean, these are the two kind of main categories of loans that you're going to be able to secure when you're looking at apartments. And that is going to be the permanent agency loans and the bridge loan. So a permanent agency loan is going to be a loan that is secured from either Fannie Mae or Freddie Mac. And this is going to be anything that's a longer or less expensive, more expensive. That's relative to the other category, which is the bridge loan. So these agency loans are going to be longer term, typically. They could be anywhere from 5 to 30 years. They're going to be amortized over 20, 25 years. You're going to see loan to value anywhere between 70, 75% up to 80, 85%. And generally, these are going to be non-recourse types of debt. And you're not going to be able, most likely, to include, if you're doing like a heavy renovation, you're not going to be able to include all of those renovation costs in the actual loan. And there are also going to be lower interest rates for agency loans. You might be able to get a few years of interest only, really depending on your experience level. And overall, these are going to be your set it and forget it types of loans. So you secure it up front. It's got a loan term that is longer than your projected hold period. So let's say you get a 10-year loan and your business plan is only five years. You secure the loan, you pay it every month, and that's really it. Maybe you might get a supplemental loan at some point. If you are doing some light renovations and aren't including any of those in the actual loan. But generally, these are going to be your set it and forget it types of loans. On the other hand, the category of the bridge loans. So a bridge loan is going to be a shorter term loan that a borrower is going to usually use until they're able to secure long-term financing on the property or after they sell the property. So the most common time a bridge loan is used is when someone is going to be repositioning an apartment deal like following the value add or the distressed so typically what will happen is this indicator will get a bridge loan let's say that's three years and that bridge loan is going to be interest only for that entire three-year period maybe they buy a few extensions just in case the stabilization period takes longer or something happens in the market and they want to make sure that they're still able to have debt on the property at least to the very end of their business plan and they are going to include some or all of the renovations in that loan. So for the agency loan, the loan amount is based off of the LTV, the loan to value, 
whereas for a bridge loan, it's going to be based off of the LTC, which is a loan to cost. So the loan to cost includes the purchase price and the renovation costs. So those two together is what the lender is going to loan based off of. So for example, if the purchase price is going to be $800,000 and you are spending $200,000 in renovations, just to make the numbers simple, well, let's say the purchase price is $8 million and then the renovations are $2 million. So for the bridge loan, if you get an 80% loan to cost, then they're going to give you 80% of that total project cost. So 80% of the $8 million plus the $2 million. So a total of $10 million, so they'll loan you $8 million. And you either bring the $2 million down. Now, if you look at it from an agency loan perspective, exact same deal. If the purchase price is $8 million and the renovations are $2 million, and you plan on getting an agency loan at 80% LTV, then they're going to loan you $6.5 million of the $8 million. So whatever 80% of $8 million is, is what they're going to loan. And here they make up the difference, plus you're going to raise the additional $2 million to cover all of renovation costs. So I think that comes up to around 3 to $4 million capital raise for the agency loan, as opposed to getting a bridge loan where you only have to raise $2 million. Now, bridge loans are also going to be non-recourse to the borrower. But again, you have to meet those requirements. And the bridge loans is kind of really depends. It could be recourse. It could be non-recourse. It really just kind of depends on the lender and it depends on you, the borrower. Another advantage of the bridge loan is going to be the interest only period. So you're likely going to be paying interest only the entire length of that loan. So that monthly debt service is going to be a little bit lower, which means that obviously you are going to be able to have a higher cash flow and you'll be able to distribute money to your investors while you're repositioning the property. And then the disadvantages are kind of obvious. But number one, it's going to be a riskier loan since they are shorter term in nature. If you get a bridge loan that with all the extensions is only five years and you end up having to hold on the property for seven years, then you're going to be forced to refinance at some point. Whereas again, for that permanent loan is kind of a set it and forget it. So those are kind of the main two categories of loans. A bridge loan, which are shorter term in nature and are better for repositioning projects. The permanent debt, which is going to be longer term in nature and is more of a set it and forget it loan where you're not doing very heavy renovations. Now, if that was confusing, all this will make sense in tomorrow's episode because I'm actually going to go over the specific types of loans that are most common. So that's going to be those agency loans, HUD loans, and then a few other loans that are available for you to secure from a lender. So that's going to be it for this episode. To listen to the other syndication school series about the how-tos of apartment syndications and to download those free documents, please visit syndicationschool.com. Thank you for listening, and I will talk to you tomorrow. If you're a passive investor and want to learn more about Ashcroft Capital, the company I co-founded with my business partner, Frank, and in particular want to learn more about our strategy and how we think about the opportunities that we purchase Go to ashcroftcapital.com and click the strategy button above and you'll be able to read through our thought process we use when we're purchasing multifamily properties. Best Ever listeners, we have launched bestevercauses.com. That's bestevercauses.com. We profile a nonprofit or cause that is near and dear to our heart, get the word out about their cause, and also donate money towards their cause. If you'd like to, one, learn more about the causes that we're profiling, we do one a month, then go to bestevercauses.com. 
And if you want to suggest a cause that we profile that is near and dear to your heart, then go to bestevercauses.com and there's a little form at the bottom of the page where you can submit one and we'll check it out.